grab a seat, everybody. So what we're going to do um, right now is we're going to take our offering. And so if you're new to this place, um, just friend, visiting, whatever, just you know, let that go by. This is a chance for the rest of us to be a part of what God's doing here, give uh, out of our worship. And um, so that'll just kind of come by. Let me just share with you something real quick. Uh, we're in this series called Upside Down Kingdom. And what we're doing is we're <laughs> the sermon, sermon on the Mount and uh, Matthew. And Matthew tells the story of Jesus. Um, and from Matthew's perspective, his biography, he talks about the announcement that Jesus makes. And Jesus makes an announcement saying the kingdom of heaven is here. And so we've been kind of talking about what that looks like. And we, we've really come to the conclusion that this kingdom that Jesus announces is upside down to the one we live in or the one that we try to create for ourselves, okay? And so we've talked about forgiveness. Last week, we talked about forgiveness. We talked about prayer. Uh, we've, we've talked about uh, the poor. Uh, no, not at all. We've... Uh, We've talked about all these different things um, in this whole time of Matthew, um, really since the beginning of the year. And, and one of the things that I wanted to remind you of is that Jesus does this, okay? He calls these disciples, he asks them to become his apprentice, to actually follow him around, say what he said, do what he does, think how he thinks, and just really do life how he is doing life. And that's the invitation for them, and that's the invitation for us. And so what's interesting is that I think sometimes in our lives, when we do the church thing, uh, we think, well, uh, basically what church is, is, is an announcement that there's another place that you can go when you die, and, and that you can get a ticket to heaven. But Jesus never announced a ticket to heaven. Do you need some help, Dan? I'm good, I'm good. Okay. Just... I want one of those Just tickets, though. get low, use you the hip. Ticket? Yeah, no, I don't, actually. Um, and so a lot of us have kind of grown up, if you've grown up in church, you've grown up with this idea of a ticket to heaven. Um, and, and, and that's really kind of the, the goal of it all. But for Jesus, that's not the goal of it all. The goal of it is something much bigger. And so the Bible that you hold, the Bible that you read in your um, on your phone or whatever, a lot of times uh, uh, you, th you think, and I think sometimes that that is the story of God. But ultimately, you know what the story of God is? The story of God is actually told through you and through me and how we live our lives and how generous we are and how forgiving we are and how loving we are and how trusting we are and how much we seek God's kingdom here on earth. And so I'm turning it over to Dan. And Dan, as you know, likes props. Did you guys notice him doing that at all? Um, so Dan, take it away. All right. Thanks, Ryan. Uh, see how easy Ryan makes it look? You know, when he was up here, what, a month ago saying, preaching is so easy for me. It's not easy for me. <laughs> I'm still saying, I will not be shaken. I will not be shaken. Singing that song. So... All right, here we go. I've told you about several parts of my life. For some reason, I'm narcissistic when I get up here. I talk about myself. I talked about my life as a drug dealer. If you're here new, ask somebody about that. Um, I'm not going to explain it. 
The second thing, uh, another thing I told you about was my life as a disciple. That was a few, maybe a month ago, I talked about my life as a disciple. This morning, you're going to have to bear with me because I'm going to tell you about my life with chairs. My life with chairs. And if you're getting this on the, what do they call it? Insta sermon. Oh, pod sermon. If you're getting the pod sermon, you're going to miss out on a lot. And that's, uh, that's you, CJ. It's not here, right? So uh, you're going to have to ask me to show you this. Okay, so my life with chairs. I want to talk about the chairs in my life and how I've developed over the years with chairs. When I was a single a young man, I won't talk about my childhood, but when I was single, I had one chair one chair, and I suppose you could say I also had a motorcycle seat and a motorcycle that went with it, but the seat was the important thing for me. And so I had one chair, and that was my life. I was pretty good with that. I was going to school, and I didn't need a lot. Well, then Kelly and I got married, and so we couldn't really live with one chair. We needed more chairs, right? We needed at least two, and then very quickly we needed three uh, chairs. And so after I got married, we had three chairs, and I still had the chair that I originally had, but uh, we had to have that because we all needed some place to sit. We needed to rest. We were young and raising a family and working hard and going to school, so we needed places to sit down. After that, the kids came along, and we needed chairs for our kids. And kids come with a, a lot of baggage. I mean, they don't come with baggage, <laughs> but you need a lot of baggage with kids. You got to have like car seats. You got to have uh, what are those seats? Uh, high chairs. Thank you, Emma. <laughs> high chairs. Uh, we had one of those swings for my oldest daughter, Jamie, who would never stop crying except when in the swing, which only lasted for 10 minutes because back then they were the crank kind. So I had kids. I'm, pardon me here. I have to get up to this level. So then we had kids, and we had more chairs around the house. We had all their chairs. We had all our chairs. And life went on like that for quite a while. As they got bigger, we had to get other chairs for them. As we got older, we had to get other chairs for us. Uh, we got, at one point, Kelly was having some back trouble, so we got one of those lazy boy chairs that you can pull the lever and push out the front. Uh, we still have that chair. It's up in my room. I mean, once, one aside, though, why do they always call them lazy boy chairs? Are there no lazy girls, right? It's, Oh, oh, okay. I forgot what era I was in. <laughs> That's right. So the Lazy Boy chairs. And we kept adding uh, chairs. We got a patio. We got a little deck out back. So we needed chairs for our deck out back. So we got some chairs out there. We got a, a kind of a wraparound couch. You know, we got to sit somewhere in the living room. We have these bar stools next to our island in our house. We have all these chairs uh, that we have. And we needed them. We used them. They were things that we wanted. Um, 
So now lately I've been thinking about, we're coming, Kelly and I are coming closer to retirement age. And uh, so we're gonna need a few different chairs. Wow, <laughs> this is gonna do my back totally in. Okay, and so with retirement, you know, we, want, we don't wanna just hang around here, so we wanna go on vacation. So we're probably gonna need some chairs in like Cancun, maybe over in, oh, New Zealand, right? Yeah, you got her, she wants to go to New Zealand. So we need some chairs in New Zealand when we go over there, you know? And I've also taken out a policy, so if, uh, let's say I fall off these, yeah, I'm not superstitious. Let's say I fall off these chairs and die today, then my wife will have plenty of chairs for her future, you know? She won't have to be chairless if I all of a sudden croak or something like that. Uh, yeah, I'm old school, we can say croak for, anyway. <laughs> and uh, we think about, uh, I gotta think about my will, what chairs are, am I gonna leave to my kids? You know, chairs are just a big part of my life, so I gotta find out what Hannah wants, my son-in-laws, I think they're too big for all of my chairs, but maybe they can convert some chairs. Uh, also, uh, I've got to think about investments for the future. So I invested in a chair company, actually. Yeah, they make really solid, good chairs that are going to last for a long time. And uh, I think it's a good investment. Most people need to sit, right? You know. And if you don't sit a lot, there's always that one chair. It's not really a chair in your house that's in that little small room. It's a chair with a hole in the middle. That's another seat that probably have more than one of those. So, and then there's a possibility that Kelly and I in the future will need a chair with wheels on it so we can get around our house and stuff. So there, there's a lot to think about in relationship to chairs. So I'm, I'm kind of focused on that. Um, Steve, is that, is that an empty chair next to you there? Could I acquire that from you? Uh, okay. Oh. <clears throat> I'll pay you later. Yeah, cool, thanks. I owe you. I'm good, I'm good for it though. Okay, so. Always gotta be looking out for some good chairs, you know. Uh, is that an empty chair between you guys right there in that room? Oh, cool, yeah, if you could bring that up for me, that'd be, if no one's using it. Actually, I had my props over there and somebody, Somebody over here stole my chairs. <laughs> they stole some of my chairs. I looked over there in the middle of worship and I panicked. <gasps> I don't have all the chairs. But I, I made it up. So I'll, I'll charge you interest. You're sitting in it, right? It's a nice chair, isn't it? Yeah, it's really nice. Okay. So one of the things, too, that's in, important to re remember is that I really feel like these, these, I, these are, I'm supposed to have these chairs. You know, I did a lot of years of uh, education to get to this point. I've, I've got my master's. I kind of spent a lot of time working in school to get to a point where I could have a lot of chairs. So I really feel like uh, that's important for you to know. I mean, so you're not like looking at me kind of strange from out there. Also, uh, I've worked a lot of years. I've worked really hard for what I've got. I don't take chairs for free. I'm gonna, I'll pay you. 
for sure. And you guys all, I owe you back there. Um, and I've worked really hard. I've worked like, Kelly might debate this, <laughs> but I've worked uh, like 35 years and tens of thousands of hours, at least in my mind. I've worked really hard to get all of the chairs are in, in my life. And I also feel like I have good abilities. I've got, I made wise decisions. I've got good chair sense. I'm able to see, think about what's a good solid chair and what's not, what's, what's just a flimsy thing that uh, I need to avoid. And I've been creative with my chairs. At points, I've used them for beds. You know, the lazy boy, you can uh, kick back and sleep in the, that. So in some ways, I'm actually really proud of my collection. And I deserve it, you know? I don't know if some of you might debate that. Maybe Ian, but I, I got good chairs. And uh, you should come over and see them sometime. And then I need places to put my chairs. And so if I have too many, I have quite a few chairs. So I've actually thought of getting a storage unit that I'm going to put some of the chairs in my, in, in my storage unit. And uh, just for when I need them, because you, you never know. Uh, chairs don't grow on trees. And you never know what could happen. There's always the what if, right? There's always the what if a storm comes, what if a flood comes and ruins all my chairs? Where am I going to be then? So uh, I've got to think about those policies for the future of, of those po possibilities. Um, let's see here. Are those chairs sticking right here? No? Good. Okay. Can I buy this one off you? Thanks. Oh, this chair comes with uh, something attached. Oh, no chairs inside there, huh? That's okay. You know, and I, I'm thinking about my where, how I want to retire. I don't want to retire. You know, I want to retire and feel comfortable and be able to know that I have a seat anywhere I, I want to be, uh, anywhere when I get tired. I want to be able to do that. So uh, I think about my retirement a lot. How many chairs? I got two. Oh, I need a couple more chairs. How about right there, Pete and Annie? How about can, can I buy this chair off you guys? I'll sell it back to you at a higher. All right, so that's a good. And why does nobody sit in these chairs? And you're probably saying, why isn't he taking these chairs? Because I know there's something wrong with these chairs. Why else would they be empty, right? Uh, any other chair? Uh, how about that chair at the end of that row? Could I have that one? Cool, thanks. You guys aren't very attached to your chairs like I am. Oh, so this, you know, I've got dreams. My dream is to just have as many chairs and not have to worry and just to live out my final days with uh, not too many chairs, but enough chairs. Where's Ryan at? And uh, Ryan's younger, so I want uh, Ryan to help me because I want to test out so I need, uh, since I have a lot of chairs, 
I need people that I can hire to help me maintain this, this lifestyle of chairs. So, uh, so uh, okay, thanks, Ryan. Um, could you sit? Uh, no, you go ahead. Later on, we'll do that. All right. So, <laughs> so the sermon could end here. Or not, but I feel good up here. I, I feel like I'm somebody. I feel closer to God, you know. I think I probably am a little closer to God than you all. Um, and this is how life should be, right? You start out, you work hard, you move up the ladder, upwardly mobile, and you end at the peak of your life. You have plenty, plenty of chairs, lots of nice chairs, some antique chairs, some massage chairs maybe, something, some really good stuff. A seat inside your jacuzzi, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Got to bring in the jacuzzi. Where's Randy? Okay. And uh, maybe have an old antique truck that has some nice seats in it. Right, Randy? Yeah. <laughs> or for your new deck. So, Most of my friends are, believe what I believe about chairs. So, um, oh, I actually... I forgot to, sermons usually have scripture passage, right? I forgot to do the sermon. Uh-oh, I mean, I forgot to do the scripture. Why don't we bring that up, Angela? I'm so into talking about my chairs. Okay, so the scripture passage for this morning is this. Matthew, and sorry if you can't see it for the chairs, but Matthew Chapter 6, we're going to start in verse 19, and I'm just going to read through this. And maybe you could think about my obsession with chairs as you're reading this, or yours, I don't know. Let's uh, read this passage. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and vermin, vermin, wow, that's an interesting, where moth and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and moth and rust, I want to say rust, not vermin, moths and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your, eye, if your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. And if then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more? Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? 
Or why do you worry about clothes? So how do the, how, see how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you not, that not even Solomon in all his splendor, wait, let me hold this, not even Solomon in all his splendor in all is, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Well, I'm glad uh, there wasn't anything about chairs in that passage, because then I don't have to worry about my chairs, right? Actually, I want to look at this now from a different point of view. I'm looking at this as the life, this is sort of the bar graph of the life I've lived with my chairs and the life I'm planning to live with my chairs. But let's look at it from the perspective of Jesus who didn't have a seat anywhere to sit in. He didn't carry around, him and his disciples didn't carry around chairs. Just stick with the chairs with me for a while. The first thing he talks about is your treasure, treasure on earth versus treasure in heaven. And where Jesus says, where your treasure is, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is will be your heart. Now, we in our culture, modern culture, have kind of changed that up a little bit because we, we like to change the scriptures just a teeny bit to make them see, say something else. So instead of where your treasures are, there your heart will be also, we change it to where your heart is, there will you, your treasures be. The reason we do that is we just say, oh, these aren't my treasures. My heart, I don't feel for these, these chairs. I don't really, I'm not really attached to them. Um, so I don't, I don't, my heart's not in this. My heart is somewhere else. So it doesn't matter whether I have all these chairs, even though there's hardly any space out there for people to sit in if they come in. It's, you know, my heart is, is some with God. And so we change it a little so that we can have a heart outside of our actions but one of the things that's really uh, strong in Scripture is that heart and actions always go together. They always go together. That's why Jesus says, where your treasures are, your heart is going to be there. You can't separate them. Where your treasures are, there will your heart be also. That's why he warns about treasures on earth versus treasures in heaven. So, I've got other props. Uh-oh, don't get near the speaker. So you know how with sex you talk about the birds and the bees. Uh, with, uh, I'm not going to say the word, we talk about chairs and balloons. You've, you'll figure out the word, right? You guys are slowly figuring out what I'm talking about. 
which is chairs, right? Any questions at this point? <laughs> Lots of questions at this point. Gary, you got to have a question. Okay. <laughs> Is it start with what the? Okay. Yeah, I don't want that question. So, I want to look at what the scriptures talk about in relationship to some of the things that have to do with storing up your treasures on earth as opposed to storing up your treasures in heaven and how we can start changing our economy from something that looks like this our personal economy, our corporate economy, from something that looks like this to something that looks more like what Jesus would set up up here. Start thinking about how Jesus would talk about chairs. What would he say? What would John the Baptist say about chairs? What would Timothy say about chairs? What would Paul say about chairs? Paul wrote a letter and uh, I'm going to paraphrase some things because I can't remember exactly how they go, So, and it's going to be uh, to my advantage uh, not to quote them specifically, but Paul wrote a letter. Uh, actually, there was a, another writer who wrote the letter of Hebrews, and I think somewhere in that letter it says, let your character be free from the love of chairs. Let your character be free from the love of chairs. Be content with what you have. And then Paul wrote a letter to Timothy. He said, if we have one chair with this, we shall be content. I'm not sure I'm getting the verses, uh, the, all the words right, but uh, I think it was something like that. So well, the first thing that we need to understand in terms of the economy of the upside-down kingdom and the ups of turning this upside down is that contentment is essential. The scriptures talk about be content with what you have. Just think, and this is important, more for you younger people here than you older people here. But just think, if you were, if I was content here, what could that do in terms of my life and freeing up treasures for heaven? If I were content here, what does that do to all, all of this? So I'm going to write contentment on here. I'll just write content. Are you guys tracking with me? Because there's a lot of quietness out there. <laughs> okay. I'm like, this is really going down. Okay. Uh, contentment. Don't ask how we're going to get that down afterwards. Okay. Ryan's going to do it. Contentment's crucial. I'm talking about this in a real veiled way. But contentment is one of the keys to taking the economy of this world, which is based on buying and selling, and changing it to the economy of God, which is based on giving and receiving, which is based on grace. Economy that is based on hoarding and accumulating and holding as opposed to an econ economy that's based on letting go. 
So if I'm holding chairs, if we get more people coming here, there's going to be people standing, and I'm going to have lots of chairs up here. I'm going to have a good seat. So contentment is one of the biggest ways of starting to live in the economy of God in his kingdom. And I say the younger people will benefit more from this because you have less right now. You have less chairs. And if you find yourself content at a younger age, it's incredible how much you can release to the kingdom of God. Whereas us older people, we've got all our chairs piled up. Contentment's not going to do us any good because we're already there. So we're, not, we're going to have to struggle with releasing all of this. Questions? Do you have a good question yet, Gary? I'm taking notes. Okay. <laughs> all right. The second thing Jesus talks about is he kind of throws this passage in about your eye, and if your eye is healthy, the light, you'll see light. And if, if, you, the light, you, if you, your eye lets light into your body, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is unhealthy, you'll, you'll, look and you'll look at darkness and your whole body will be full of darkness. One of the things that's important to talk about in relationship to chairs is that where is your focus? Chairs in the kingdom of God, what are you focusing on? How much of my life am I spending on my chairs and maintaining them and cleaning them and upholding them and ensuring them and storing them up in storage spaces and cleaning them and working so I can get more chairs and adding technological advances to my chairs. They're, these obviously aren't very technologically advanced chairs. They don't have like touch pads in them or anything, but I'll get one one day. Um, anyway, so... Where is your focus? What is your eye? Is it healthy? Is the eye of your body healthy? Or is it seeing darkness? So if my focus is where Jesus wants us to focus, just think about what, what is the, when Jesus talks about love, what does he say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. That's focus. That's focus. If I'm doing that and I'm focusing on that, and like Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God, that first is focus on the kingdom of God. How much time am I going to have uh, for these things? Probably going to have less time. Uh, probably going to want to get rid of some of this. Because this, this takes a lot of time for me. So where is your focus? So the second thing I want to talk about. Ah, stay. It's focus. And I think Jesus talks to us about focus. Focus not on your chairs. Uh-oh. Yeah, U.S., right? I'm a really bad speller. And I'm going to put love underneath it. Because Jesus says, if you, you can't serve both God and mammon, you'll love one and you'll hate the other. So where is your focus? 
There's a little pamphlet that you can look up on the internet that was written back a, a ways. It's called The Tyranny of, uh, I think it's called The Tyranny of the Urgent, something like that. It compares the important to the urgent. And I would dare to say that most of our life is taken up with the urgent. I've got to find a place to sit. I've got to get this chair repaired. I've got to make sure my family has somewhere to sit. Thing, that's urgent. So I've got to, I keep doing it, and it keeps dictating which way my life is going. Whereas the important, which Jesus is talking about, treasures in heaven, an eye that's focused on something that God is doing, and serving God, not mammon, if I'm not focused on those things, and I'm focused on these things, I'm missing out on my life. I'm missing out on the life that God wants. So focus and love. Where'd that other one go? Whoa. If I were bored, I'd just be watching that balloon. Anyway. So focus. The next thing that I think is important that I want to talk about in relationship to that passage of Scripture and my chairs is trust. I told you I've got uh, a storage unit full of chairs. I've got uh, insurance plans that make sure I have enough chairs. I've got investments with chairs. What am I trusting in? Who am I trusting in? I'm trusting in myself. I'm trusting in my ability to make sure my life is never chair-free, that I'm never out of what I need. I don't, I'm trusting in that. But Jesus says, look at the birds, look at the plants, look at how they trust God. Look at how they trust God. If you want a lesson on trust in relationship to chairs, Actually, I'll use it in relationship to food because it works better that way. If you want to, to take a lesson on, in relationship to food and trust, just look at your kids. Or if you don't have kids, look at somebody else's kids. When your kids finish eating dinner or when your grandkids finish eating dinner, what do they do? Do they get up from the table and walk away empty-handed? Or do they get up from the table, take a napkin, and put more of the leftovers and the food that they didn't eat in the napkin, wrap it up, go into their room, and hide it under their pillow. What do they do? How many, how many people know kids that do that? Why do kids not take food and hide it under their pillows? Because they trust their parents to feed them. They trust you. And then you have cultivated that trust in them. Believe me, I have met kids that, whose parents have not cultivated that trust. And those kids are very different. When I was in Guatemala, there was a little girl, Maria. She was really cute and very chunky. And she was a little teeny thing. And she would come over to our plate. We had these barracks. And she would come over there and when we were eating and she would ask for food. So we'd feed her. And then... We didn't know this, but she would go to the next place and she would have a dinner. And then she would go to the next place and she would eat it over there. And she'd go to the next place. And so one night we're talking and then somebody says, oh yeah, Maria came over our house for dinner tonight. And then everybody else went, oh, she came to our house. 
Oh, she came to over here. She came to our house. She had eaten four or five dinners in one night, and this was a regular thing that she was doing. So she didn't get raised in trust, but you raise your kids in trust. You, they don't need to hide food under the pillow or chairs in the corner or in the closet. Take a less, we need to take a lesson from our kids. Have childlike trust. The other thing that trust involves is thinking that God is good. God is good. If God is good, it changes your economic life. It changes the way that you trust in mammon or trust in God. God is good. Notice how most of our financial uh, institutions in this country and probably across the world try to use God-like images to reassure you that they're okay. Um, maybe this would be a good time to think of them. You're in good hands. Golly, what's that about? You're in good hands? Think of some other ones. Banks, insurance companies, what are, they, what are their mottos? Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Wow, what are we called to be in the church? Good neighbors, but the insurance company's better at it than us and maybe than God. What are some other ones? Can anybody think of some other ones? Huh? Flow? Oh, I didn't get it. Okay, but I, another thing, the, the fact that you can't think about them is actually a really good thing. Go home, watch TV today. As you watch those, <laughs> and I'm telling you this in church, right? Um, as you watch TV, listen to those commercials and what they're saying and see how many of them, the Rock of Gibraltar, how many of them buy Subaru, it's love. How many of them associate themselves with God-like language? So the third thing that's important to do when we change from the economy of mammon, economy of this world, the economy of earth, is trust. Take a lesson from our kids. I mean, these are supposed to represent the treasures in heaven. You probably got that already, though. Stay. The next thing that's important when we're changing from this economy, from the economy of earth, the economy of mammon, the economy of darkness, the economy of, uh, of anxiety, Jesus says, don't be anxious. When we're transferring from that economy to economy of heaven, light of, uh, of God and of freedom. The next thing that we need to, to know about is justice. Justice is really important in transferring from one economy to the other. Now, I've got all these chairs. Actually, I want to share something that happened to me that I was not expecting. Um, we can actually recreate it a little bit, but... Ryan and I snuck over here Thursday because I said, I have this idea about chairs, and i got to show you because it's, it's weird. 
And so he came over here, and we snuck over to the Arvada Center, and we snuck in here on Thursday, and we're talking about how to do this and all this stuff. And so I'm like, okay, I can, I climb up here. And, um, and so I'm sitting up here, and all of a sudden I'm thinking about what to say and how this would work and what this would look like. And all of a sudden Ryan sat down over there, and I looked over, and I had this, all of a sudden I had this, rush of emotion. I could not place it. I was just like, oh my God. It was, it was really a moving moment for me. Ryan's just like, what? What? But looking from up here, I wish you had the opportunity. Maybe, well, no one's going to want it, but looking from up here down there, like, come over, stand up and come over here, Ryan. So used. You are so used. <laughs> I'm glad you love me. See, if you talk about justice, but this is the picture you get of justice. Here, just stay there. Let me, uh, let me give you one of these. This is justice. Okay, you can put that wherever you want. Okay? Gives you a different picture of what justice is. Justice is always more about equality. Okay, thanks, Ryan. <laughs> wow, I got it. You didn't have to catch me. He almost made me fall by trying to catch me. So justice, life, life. justice is about, uh, I think John the Baptist puts it this way. If you've got two chairs and somebody has no, no chairs, give one of your chairs to them. Remember Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus had Jesus over to eat, and he said he he interrupted the meal, and they're eating this meal, and Zacchaeus said, guess what, Jesus? I'm going to give away half of my chairs to the poor. And if I've stolen chairs from anybody, I'm going to give them back. This is the, go- the chair gospel, I'm telling you. Justice is about making sure everybody has somewhere to sit before somebody does this. Everybody has somewhere to sit. That's a pretty easy thought. What if everybody in the world had somewhere to sit before we started accumulating chairs? That would be justice. So another way to move from the kingdom of light, from the economy of buying and selling and the economy of to the economy of grace. Is to think about what that means for you in terms of justice. Jesus is all about justice. In fact, uh, there's another passage, and I'm not going to put chairs in there. I'm just tired of doing that now. Um, there's another passage where Jesus talks about the Pharisees. He said, you Pharisees, you tithe 10% of absolutely everything in your life. You tithe 10% of even your garden plants, your mint and your dill, you give 10%. But then Jesus said, but you forget about justice. So that's an interesting thing. You could actually tithe to the church or to anywhere, and Jesus might not be very happy with that. Because Jesus says, you forget about justice and the love of God. And then what does he say? He, says, he doesn't say, that, so don't tithe and work for justice. He said, go ahead and tithe. 
just add justice to it. There's a lot in the Bible about these things. In fact, the Bible talks more about the subject of this subject I'm talking about than, than any other subject except idolatry. Finally, finally, I saw Gary looking at his watch, so finally, finally it's about the community that surrounds us. In this model, where I'm accumulating all the things that I need and I deserve and I've worked hard for, in this model, I need Ryan to stand over here and make sure this doesn't fall over and I break my neck. I need a community of people around me to maintain this lifestyle. But in the kingdom of God, that's not the way things work. In the kingdom of grace, we don't have people serving us or working for us. We serve people. So the last thing I want to put out here as a possibility for changing from one economy to the other is community. Community. If you look in Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4, you'll see what happens after the Holy Spirit falls on the church. Community. And what were they doing? They were selling their chairs. They were selling and giving away their stuff so that they could support the community. We, as believers, got to think about encouraging people in the church to take risks in this area. Not to encourage people to be good financial uh, people, smart and wise in financial things. See, I, I couldn't keep the word out. Um, but we've got to encourage people to take risks for the kingdom of God and then support them in those. So the kingdom of God is about community, about giving material support to those who are willing to follow the Holy Spirit and about subverting individualism. This kingdom wants to make us individuals and not have us collective, together, supporting one another. So we come here, we meet, we eat donuts. We don't have enough time to say, how is your life with chairs? We don't really want to talk about that either, probably. But, but we don't have time to encourage. And one of the things that happens in, in community is encouragement. The other thing that happens is models and examples. We need people to step up and be models of what Jesus is talking about, who are storing up their treasures in heaven, who are not following mammon but following God, who are, who are seeing things with a good focus, who are trusting like the birds and the flowers. We need models that we can look to and follow in relationship to this in our community. We also need... Um, Creative collaboration. I think this is probably one of the areas uh, in our lives that is least developed. We've got to find as many creative ways to move toward justice, toward focus, toward trust, toward community as we can. We need to be entrepreneurs in this. Instead, we just follow what our culture tells us to do. We do all the things that, that we're told to do 
without questioning, my other uh, assignment for you today is, is take every aspect of your life and say, Does, is this the way it's supposed to be? Is this the way it's supposed to be? Or is there a better way? Is there a Jesus way to do this? Now, obviously, I've been talking about chairs the whole time. Have people gotten what I'm trying to talk about instead of chairs? Raise your hands if you have so I can see. Okay. Gary still hasn't gotten it. No, I'm just kidding, Gary. One of the best ways... No, I'm not going to say this because this will be too much at the end. All right. Never mind. I will talk to... Or should I? <laughs> Sorry. One of the things, uh, one of the best ways to get in touch with how you feel, I'll do it this way. One of the best ways to get in touch with how you feel about chairs is you can do this at home, you can do this in your small groups, or you could not do this because it, you might not like what I'm about to say. But one of the best ways to determine are you storing up treasures on earth are you serving mammon or God? Are you trusting God? One of the best ways to do that is to take one of these chairs, which is not what I'm talking about, and light it on fire. While it is burning, I want you to write down all the emotions that you are experiencing in that moment. Write down all the emotions. There's nothing you can buy that will put you in touch with how you feel about mammon better than doing what I'm talking about, if you get what I'm saying. And then write all those emotions down, all those feelings, all those, what goes on inside your head, and then ask yourself, wow, am I attached here or am, am I not? All right, that's enough talking about chairs. As we finish, going to have the band come up here. We're going to finish out with a, a song, God is Good. It's, it's one of the lines in the song that says, God is good. While we're singing this final song and finishing, I want everybody to take your chairs and put them on the outside of the room, except for those people that need to be in chairs. You can keep your chairs if you need to be in a chair, but everybody else, I want you to stack all your chairs on the two sides so that we end as people standing together with the people that are needing to be in chairs in a group here as we sing.